0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, welcome to the show. It's uh, the 27th of March. And uh, I want to thank Jesse Smollett or the whoever made that extraordinary decision in Chicago for distracting me yesterday afternoon. I appreciate that. It was Great to be outraged about something else that didn't seem quite as consequential, actually. Although it is a a real puzzlement, ain't it? I'm guessing it's about privilege. <laughs> Strangely, we don't usually think of privilege when a when a black male is uh, in the dock, but um, I think this one might be another case of. Uh, a privileged person knowing people in important places. Um, I I mean the fact that there's no way I'm going to figure it out if uh, the mayor and the police chief and everybody else involved doesn't have a clue, but it's, wow, extraordinarily odd twist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it really is, and again, the very guy who uh, who dropped all those felony counts um, also thinks he's guilty. So um, I, it really is a, a, a wondrous head scratcher, and I I hope that here's a place where I'd love some leaks to eventually find out what went down here, how this extraordinary uh, reversal happened, and why the state's attorney there was willing to suffer the onslaught of, of anger and disbelief really really something <laughs> I'm really getting sick of living in like some reality show this is a, this felt like another you know twist and turn on a on a TV show and in this case we really had an actor I'm flummoxed I'm I'm curious because of you know <coughs> if it God forbid, had anything to do with uh, the connection to Michelle Obama and uh, the fact that I guess her former uh, chief of staff is a family member of Jussie Smollett's or certainly tight with them and had communications with the state's attorney. So these are, I think, all black women and this would be an instance where b- black women in positions of power, networking, uh, possibly were doing the very thing that white men have been doing forever. So maybe actually all of this is just a sign of progress being made, huh? I don't Don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. So we're never going to see that report. I guess now Barr is going to... He's not even going to send the full report up to Congress. Is that what I heard? Ah, hmm, He's sending them another summary? What the hell's in that report? (laughs) I'd like to know. Asking for a friend. Jesus. Oh, and... You know, the horrors of this uh, Trump administration just continue apace. He's now uh, threatening to cut aid to Puerto Rico. He's – and Betsy DeVos, did you see what she did? Wonderful. Incredible. Um, She's withdrawn support of the Special Olympics from the Department of Education. You. they're just you know just uniformly e- evil vile there's not i get i get, i and they keep winning <laughs> excuse me if I seem slightly unhinged today I sort of am i i just uh ma'am, I am going to follow my sister's um instructions the fact is none of us have seen the Mueller report including all the jabberers including apparently the white house itself and so um i'm i'm still waiting i'm still waiting jesus h um, Okay, I'm going to go to something that has absolutely nothing to do with anything, okay? I've been um I think in my attempt to distract myself, I've been watching more television than I normally ever have. Um I've I've joined the the ranks of the millions of people who sit um in front of their television. Every evening, just watching whatever nonsense is there, just desperately trying to d- be distracted from reality. And I have um, I've noted before that my that I do watch Jeopardy. By the way, there've been a lot of people from Pittsburgh on lately, uh, and. And I need to know if the guy from Pittsburgh might have won last night, because I was really into it. There was a guy who looked like a rabbi. I don't know, black, big black beard. (laughs) Who told Alex that he and his wife, like, did this thing where they go to cemeteries and write stories about, I I mean, it was weird. Anyway, he's from Pittsburgh, and then there was a woman from Pittsburgh who won a few times last week. And uh, so we're cleaning up there in Jeopardy and I was really into this Jeopardy last night and I was waiting with bated breath for the uh, final the Jeopardy final question um, or answer whatever the hell you call it Um, and my dog rushes the front door. Rawr, 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 rawr. I thought oh no, someone was there, right? And I'm thinking, don't interrupt me. <coughs> I'm about to play Final Jeopardy, and I like sort of slunk down on the couch and then I saw that there was a guy out by my front door and he was looking in the and he could see me. Although he was a little concerned about the seemingly vicious animal that was you know, trying to get at him through the door. So I thought, oh, sh-. Could I just open the door and say, wait a minute, I just got to play Final Jeopardy. I'll be right there. I actually thought of doing that. And I, I just, you know, when people ring your doorbell and you're not expecting anybody, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I really, I've told you stories about what I've done. I hit the floor. I don't want to have anything to do with them. My son, since he was a toddler, um, would, you know, say, Mom, what are you doing? Someone's at the door, Mom. <clears throat> and there was that time that one, the person at the door was Mayor Murphy running for re-election or something and knocking on doors. and. He saw me and later, because I didn't answer the door. He saw me later and said, I, I rang your doorbell the other day, and your adorable little son came to the door, but he didn't open it. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. Well, I was on the kitchen floor screaming at him <laughs> Get away! Get away! Step back from the door! So this turned out to be the same kind of a thing it was you know we're nearing an election and um oh somebody sent me final jeopardy jonathan thank you <clears throat> so i'm really upset i really was you know miffed and i what timing i go to the door And it turns out I actually know the guy, and he's canvassing for a school board candidate, and there was no way I could blow him off. So I had to talk with him, and sure enough, when I went back, there it was. Wheel of Fortune was on. (laughs) Okay, so then I have something to say about Wheel of Fortune. (laughs) (laughs) And this is something I thought, weeks ago but i have thought it before i mean that is a show that is i used to make fun of anybody who watched that show because first of all it doesn't require a hell of a lot of you know skill um or knowledge although there is some skill to looking at a you know of some letters and and figuring out what might be there what they What they mean. But I mean, mostly it's just stupid, you know, and Vanna White and the whole thing. It's just like weird. But there are three contestants. And I have noted over the years that Wheel of Fortune um, introduces Americans to each other in some ways. And I'm thinking of all the people who. You know, think they don't know a gay person or are startled to see a white and a black person married because they sometimes have couples on and stuff. And Wheel of Fortune seems often to have, you know, a sort of panoply of different kind of people and families. Um and, I mean, it was years and years and years ago when you started seeing gay people, you know, saying my, this is before they were married, and this is my, you know, my partner, and then uh, this is my, a man saying this is my husband, and I, I always thought that, you know, since this is such a milk toasty game show, popular, because it's been going forever, and That people, you know, sitting somewhere in Nebraska in some little farm town and, you know, sitting in places where you just don't, you know, where everybody is white, Christian, and heterosexual. And you see these people that like, and they're just people. And nobody blinks when they're introduced as husband and husband, wife and wife, black, white, this, that, the other thing. Nobody, I just thought, I I, I find, I bet something like that has a bigger impact over time of allowing people who otherwise do not come in contact with people that are different from themselves, that allows them to relax a little bit, I would hope seeing all these different kinds of people treated absolutely the same unremar- it's not remarkable at all right no the uh, the other day th- there were couples and one was uh, a mixed race couple white and black and they were southerners i mean they said you know real southern accents white and black and I'm thinking, wow. And um, and then there was another couple, and he was the stay-at-home parent, and she was a doctor, and they had two young children. And I'm saying, both of those couples right there were not the norm. And then the third couple was a New Jersey cop and his wife, and they were representing, in my mind, you know, the traditional list. Um, they have three, they had three kids, they love hockey and football, like th- those were the, you know, like what everybody tells us that's the representatives of America. And yet these, there were these other two, and everybody I, I think that is powerful somehow. I am going to credit Wheel of Fortune for um helping uh people get more comfortable about things that um a lot of people are trying to use to divide us. And in that regard, um there was a survey done recently that uh, got some press today about support for LGBT rights in the United States and who supports that concept, and who doesn't, and the reality is is that the majority of us support it, which is pretty amazing, I mean, in terms of how quickly something that seemed impossible turned um the only group where support for lgbt People and they're protecting their rights. The only group that saw a decrease, and it's a pretty substantial one, and get this, it's among people under 30 who identify as Republicans. So Republicans are continuing to churn out uh, young um, who are... Um, unwilling to acknowledge uh, the the humanity of uh, their their gay brothers and sisters. Um, the people who put this together say it was one of the largest and most significant drops in support that we saw. Uh, members of most religious groups. Are supportive. The strongest are those, you know, those totally whacked out lefty universalist Unitarian types. They're they're right up at the top because uh, 90% of Unitarian Universalists support LGBT uh, rights. What I like to know is who are the 10% of Unitarians that don't? How do you be Next up, Jews um, at 80%, followed closely by Hindus at 79%. And then this is a little eye-opening. 70% of Mormons support anti-discrimination protections for LGBT people. So I'm saying this is now, I mean, it's that is pretty impressive. But I'm still going down in terms of support. Uh, 60% of Muslims, so they got some catching up to do. And uh, 54% of white evangelicals. Now that strikes me as huge. Granted, it's the lowest, but it is a majority of white evangelicals, even say, yeah, no, those people should be protected. (laughs) Anyway, there was a strong correlation between educational level and support of LGBT rights. Just saying. Okay, so this other thing about TV, I I, I have to say this because I have seen this show before. I have watched in horror, um, and then turned it off because I cannot stand it. And it popped up again last night. It must be on NBC because that's where Jeopardy, you know, so that's where my TV is. And it's Ellen DeGeneres, and it's called Ellen's Game of Games. Have you ever seen that thing? I mean, I still... It's a show where they torture people in front of you and everybody laughs. It's, it is so mind-boggling to me that people find a show like that entertaining. It's watching people suffer all kinds of awful stuff getting dunked getting tossed dropping down throwing me whizzed around and you know vertigoed and I I don't know and like last night what I I turned my head to that I was distracted and doing other things and but I hear people women screaming and it sounded like women screaming in terror and I thought what the and with laughter so there's women screaming and everybody else is laughing laughing and and I look, and it's, yeah, it's her show. What's wrong? Why don't I get that? Um, why is that entertainment? Is there something wrong with me? Clearly, it passed network scrutiny, and... Ellen DeGeneres, who everybody thinks of as such a nice person, is the ringleader of this. Which, by the way, has made me really sour on her. I I, I don't get it. This is this is our this is what we think of as entertainment. You know, it it granted it's not uh it's not quite the Colosseum with uh poor souls being uh, you know, sent in to be mauled by wild beasts for entertainment, but it's it's the same genre, isn't it? I mean, I I, I have to tell you, increasingly I am, I find our culture so inconceivably brutal and shallow and repellent, (laughs) I do. I, I don't know that I've ever um, had such difficulty before. And then, okay, one more TV note, and um, and then I, I want to share something with you that just blew me away. Um, I often turn to, and I've told you this, to Turner Classic Movies as a way to get away. Um, and last night I did again, And it was a movie I've seen before, but it had been a while. And it was called Inherit the Wind. It is a fictionalized account of the Scopes Monkey trial. I mean, really fictionalized. Uh, They don't pretend it to be uh, that, but that is what it it is. And uh, I'm watching that thing last night. And there's a lot of great speech on in the courtroom, and uh, much of it done by Spencer Tracy, who's playing the, uh, I guess it would be Clarence Darrow, right, uh, character. And, you know, the Scopes trial was a hundred years ago, pretty much. It was, what, in the early 20s. So that's like a hundred years ago. And this... Fictionalized account, which was made in 1960, um, could be made today without a change because not a lot has changed. It's the same battle of science (coughs) and education versus religion and fear of change, and it's the same. We're right there again. I mean, if you were to watch Inherit the Wind, it is not in any way dated, in any way. We haven't moved much at all from 1920s. Now, granted, I was just saying, well, wow, we sure have moved on, like, recognition of gay people as actual fellow humans. But this American clash of fundamentalist religion and uh, science, man, that's, that just seems to have a staying power that defies progress. The power of people's faith. And Spencer Tracy in this thing, man, he just eviscerates blind faith. It's a great movie, I really. And I suppose because i'm i'm I made a point of seeing so where did they make that? It was made in nineteen sixty and I would think also because it is so political and so um, ridiculing of blind faith and fear of information and anything that doesn't fit into. Some preconceived idea that you've swallowed. Um, I'm wondering if it also um, had something to do with we were coming out of the horrors of McCarthyism in the 50s and that this was uh, Hollywood back unblacklisted, unleashed, and going after the same kind of yahoos that had given us the red scare and all of that. I don't know. But, man, if you have an opportunity to see Inherit the Wind, it holds up. Little Tony says, I love to watch Jeopardy! for the smart people. It is amazing how these people know everything. Sometimes I know everything. Sometimes I do better than any of them, but I'm not standing there with TV lights knowing millions of people are watching me, so I, I technically can't brag. you know. I, but there are days when I'm sitting there and I don't know anything. And my greatest fear... Is that you know? I, if I ever were to have been on Jeopardy, is that I? It'd be one of those days where I, I don't know a thing, a thing. But it does blow me away how smart some people. I don't know. Is it smart to just have a bunch of facts in your head? Well, it's it's knowledgeable, I guess, is it, it, because smart's different. You know, you could have a lot of facts in your head and be a total idiot, you know what I mean, in terms of knowledge is not wisdom, anyway, the, the I, but yeah, they're smart, um, as far as Wheel of Fortune, little Tony says, I'd love to see these people win money, I know, I do too, <laughs> I do too. It makes me smile. Yeah, it does. I always feel bad for the ones that, yeah, I do too. I mean, but that's that's the game, right. A lot of wheel is chance, but on Jeopardy, the contestants need the skill. Yeah, right, exactly. As far as Ellen's show, it is garbage. I hate and despise all those shows. I I don't know. What is it? i I'm um, at a step with um, the popular culture, and I, I guess I have been much of my life, but, man, I, it's never been this bad. It's never been this bad. Oh, speaking of fundamentalist yahoos, di, um, I, and I, m- I missed this. I, I'm sure you've heard it already. Did you see that our Secretary of State, Pompeo, uh, did a an interview on Christian I guess the Christian Broadcasting Network, or anyway, he was amidst his own, amongst his own, and so he could, uh, you know, say what was really on his mind. And he actually said, in response to a question, that President Trump, the question is, could it be that President Trump has been, raised up just like Queen Esther to help save the Jews again. And Pompeo said, as a Christian, I am confident that the Lord is at work here. I just want to say, you know, I just wanna say all the time What the fuck? I mean it's just What These are our Oh never mind. Okay, so here is this thing that I came upon. You might have too, especially if you read the New York Sunday Times, which I think a lot of you probably do. But for those who don't, I'm gonna I'm gonna run you through what I thought was just a brilliant article by um, the reporter is Nellie Bowles, and she covers uh, tech and Internet and all that stuff I don't comprehend but that I fear. Um, It had a very provocative headline, uh, and... It reeled me in right away. The headline is this, Human Contact as a Luxury Good. And she makes a really strong point that increasingly those with wealth will be able to still have human contact while the rest of us will be left to be tended to by screens and robots. And lest you think this is some crazed dystopian thing, let me help make the case, using, of course, her, her work. She she starts by first taking us taking us to uh Boston and to the company of a man. Well, it's in Lowell Lowell, Massachusetts. Okay. And a guy named Bill Langloy. And he's 60, we're told he's 68. And um he's retired. He doesn't have much money. He lives in a low-income senior housing complex. He is married, but I guess she still has a job, and she's out all the time, and he sits. He sits. And he's lonely, and he feels isolated. And it says that he has a new friend a new best friend. And it's a cat. Unless you think like I did when I first heard it was a cat, I thought, well, yeah, you know, animals, animals give us so much. But it turns out, <coughs> it's not a real cat. It's just an animated cat that's sitting on a screen in front of him and he's named it, the cat's name is Socks after his Boston Red Sox that he loves and she talks to him and he talks to her And when he started telling the reporter of how happy socks makes him, he actually began to weep. Quote, says Bill, she's brought my life back. And he's sitting in front with this two-dimensional thing, cartoon cat, and he says to the reporter, She's brought my life back. And out from the cat's mouth comes, We make a good team. Because Socks hears everything. And Socks watches him. So that if she sees him drinking uh, Coke, she might say, You know, Bill, that's not the best thing for you. She barely moves. According to the reporter, this voice of hers is as harsh as a dial tone. It doesn't sound real. But every once in a while, she'll say something to him and little animated hearts pop up around her and he just melts when that happens. She is there, the animated thingamajig, because it is part of a non-profit health care program for low-income, older adults called Element Care. And to qualify, you have to be pretty dang poor. But if you do qualify, they set you up. You get your screen. You get the camera trained on you. You get, I guess, the animal or avatar of your choice. And you can name that thing. And it will keep you company (coughs) and keep an eye on you. We are told that these programs are proliferating. Let me introduce you to the guy who's in charge of it. He's 31 year old Silicon Valley Victor Wang. And he says this, look, we know that people can form a bond very easily with anything that talks to them. Anything that talks to them, that says their name, that seemingly cares, that pays attention. and he says this quote between a semi life like thing and a tetrahedron with eyeballs there's no real difference in terms of building a relationship and what they he pays a whole bunch of people of course not in the united states they're working uh in um i i guess his workers are where the hell are they? I just somewhere asia and they are the ones that give voice to these avatars so this does provide labor for somebody on, you know, in another country, and that if that person, you know, it, it, their their shift is done, they hand off, bill, and socks to another person, and I'm sure they're handling more than one at a time, and they say, here's what he says again, like, uh, Wang, the guy whose company this is, so. If the person says, I love you, and they do, we'll say, I love you, back. With some of our clients, though, we will say it first if we know they like hearing it. The technology uh, is very simple. It's a Samsung Galaxy Tab E tablet with an ultra-wide-angle fisheye lens attached to the front, and so the people who are operating the avatars, the cat in this case, who are um, not in the—they're mostly in the Philippines and Latin America. Okay, uh, they can see quite a bit of the environment of the human. And so far, studies done on this kind of thing, this this is hardly the only one, sh- show that people who have something like this are healthier than people who don't. Uh, they require fewer nursing visits, They go to the emergency room less often, and they report feeling less lonely and, in fact, happier. One of the largest health insurers, Humana, has uh, begun using another company that does this called Care Coach. And so... This is where we're heading in terms of if you are poor. Your care is going to come from a screen and an avatar. You might have heard a few weeks ago that some poor guy in a hospital was told he was going to die. by a screen, I guess it was a doctor on a screen, this was in Fremont, California, and that is, there's a motorized stand, this is healthcare now, with a a tablet on it, and uh, a doctor on a video feed informed a poor guy, Ernest Quintana, that he's Dying. How would you like to be told that? By a, his family was an outraged. But this is how. Okay. So I said human contact is going to be a luxury good in the future, and the case is seems to be pretty well made. No rich person is going to be told that they're dying by somebody on a tablet. And in fact, rich people increasingly do not do screens. Stop and think about it. When screens first came in, computers and this thingamajig and all of that stuff, It was a status symbol. In other words, the rich had it all first. They were the first adopters. They had everything, every screen known to man. They had it. They had the first Apple watches. They had the stuff on their bodies, all of that stuff. Well, that didn't last long. Because now, since... The rest of us, great unwashed, have all that stuff too because the price came plummeting down. The rich always like to move away from us. And so the rich now are very dismissive of They don't let their children sit in front of televisions. They don't let their children play video games or have these things. They have their children go to tech-free, no-technology schools, private schools, even as public schools are increasingly sticking our children in front of screens, often in lieu of teachers. So, here's a guy, believe it or not, he's the chief executive of something called the Luxury Institute. And he advises companies on how to sell pricey stuff to the wealthy. And he says now the wealthy want to spend money on anything human, just as the rest of us are being turned increasingly to robotic, screen, avatar. The wealthy want human. And he says, this is a quote that just blew me away, what we are seeing is the luxurification of human engagement. It will be a luxury to be seen by an actual human doctor, nurse, who knows what? Who knows? The rest of us will all be off in some kind of virtual thing. If you're at the top of a hierarchy, he says, you you need to clearly be Different. You don't answer to anyone. They answer to you. And that means you need people under you. So, I, you know, all these tech companies really sold all of us a bill of goods. Uh, they sold all our public school systems a bill of goods. Uh, they... Uh, I mean, you hear of school, I remember when I first heard that like all the richer suburban districts, every kid has a, you know, has one of these and it's all, and that was then and it's not the case now. It's you see poor students in schools now with these because the teacher might be on there or the program that they're learning. They don't have enough, there's not humans teaching the poorer children as much. So, this is actually true. While tech companies worked hard to get public schools to buy into programs that required every student to have a laptop, saying that of course it would better prepare those children for their their futures, which <laughs> you know will be all about sitting in front of these screens but interestingly that's not how they see their own children's future and it isn't how the people who actually build this screen-based future raise their own children In Silicon Valley, it is increasingly seen as extremely unhealthy the longer you're sitting in front of one of these screens. And that's correct. But that's something they've arrived at after they hooked all of us. I mean, and you know they did hook us, truly. Do you know how much was spent on getting neuroscientists, psychologists, sociologists who work at these big tech firms figuring out how to hook us, how to keep us as long as possible on these screens. So they sort of ensnare the 95 percent leaving themselves free and certainly rich enough to pay humans to actually be in their lives. I think we are heading, I'm serious about this, I'm not, I think we are heading into and at at such a quick pace a truly dystopian world. I mean in some respects we're already there, but um and it 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 will happen, you know, little by little by little um and we'll do it ourselves. We we're not protesting it. We become adopters of this. We do it. So when when we are in a place and everybody's head is down and looking into one of these. It's not like people are being forced to do that. But we've all been played. They knew. They knew how to keep us coming back. They do. Hey, I'm just saying. I think this article is the one that bummed me out so that I've been bummed out all week. I think it has because I think it's absolutely um true. Yeah. Hey, by the way, uh tomorrow we'll be uh we'll have uh the executive director of uh Planned Parenthood of Western Pennsylvania here, an extraordinary woman named Kim Everett. I'm sure she's been here before. Um, because Planned Parenthood is uh, in the fight of its life. And I never thought for a minute, you know, that organization is a hundred years old. And the fact that it existed and was there through all of th- those times and all of that history and it is now considered somehow something that must be stamped out. And what is it? It is health care for mostly low income women. Extraordinary. But uh Mind blowing. Okay, I'm gonna catch up on some of these. Uh, no, I don't think. Okay, um, I guess that's it. I have a little more dystopia stuff, but I, you know, I'm thinking that you probably heard enough. But again, this was something about how we. If you're paying attention, you've seen how um the Chinese uh especially are using uh the screens and the cameras uh increasingly to control their huge population. And there is there is no doubt that what they are doing will be done by other countries, especially autocratic countries, but it won't be long before. I mean, private sector is already doing it. We feed, you know, all this private information, personal information into the maws of these tech companies all the time, which they then bundle and sell information about us. Um, And the Chinese now are just using that ability to scoop up so much data on uh, people. And they have decided what is normal behavior. So, <clears throat> as soon as somebody deviates in a little way from supposedly normal behavior, they tag them and they watch them. You want to live in a world like that? Coming soon! Moscow uh, in Russia already has 5,000 cameras installed, uh, all with facial recognition technology. So this is what the Chinese do too. They keep an eye. They even have cops that have like these special glasses that when they put them on and look at the crowd in front of them, information pops up. If you'll recall, I think the last Super Bowl, that same kind of... Facial recognition technology was used by security people here as well. It's automated micro targeting. And I got to tell you guys, it's already here. It it was used in the 2016 election by the Russians. They micro-targeted people likely to vote for Bernie Sanders, for Jill Stein, for Donald Trump, anybody but Hillary Clinton who they didn't want. And they fed those people all kinds of stuff and information to solidify their anti-Hillary perspectives. That is what the Russians brought that technology to us. Now, of course, other people can do it as well. It's used by advertisers all the time. Precision advertising. But... For people living in countries with an authoritarian ruler, which could be us, given Trump's desires, they use this to target people and to spread their propaganda. They manipulate, literally can manipulate people, each of us now, individually, one by one. Because they know your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities, your your personal foibles. And already a lot of bots are indistinguishable from humans online. And that will only get more so. The spread of disinformation because of technology is going to be, how will any of us ever be able to believe our own eyes or ears? There is technology now that with just a few words, speech synthesis systems, so they get, let's say somebody takes my voice from this show, and they can then easily make put out something that sounds exactly like me saying anything they want me to say and visually they can do it getting closer and closer to being something that most of us would not be able to know the difference so in the very not too distant future like tomorrow you might see yeah a a video of you know name it I don't know let's say uh, one of the presidential candidates saying something outrageous. But there it is. According to a Dartmouth computer science professor, there are probably a thousand times more people in the technology field now working, you know, 24-7, 24 7 to manipulate content in this way, then there is anybody working on ways to detect it. Suddenly, he says, there will be the ability to claim that anything is fake. And how do we? What does that do to our institutions? What does that do to a democracy? One of the computer scientists who's known as one of the godfathers, there's three godfathers of AI, deep learning and AI, uh, said, uh, um, I think, and this is a guy who's helped launch us into this, he says, I think it's becoming more and more scary. His name is Yashua Bengio. Um, I don't know. So th- it's this stuff that just, I mean, I, I hear that more and more people are deciding not to have children, and I absolutely think that's a very smart thing. You want to bring a children into this? you want them living like this until quite recently, leave you with just one more thought until quite recently, it was easy to see the digital revolution as a great liberalizer. That's how everybody said, "Oh my God, a way to transmit uh ideas faster than any censor could possibly." Re- react remember we were told about you know remember the arab spring that was a result of this incredible ability of technology to bypass the you, you know the authorities and get people together but unfortunately the reality is turning out to be much 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 more complicated And it looks increasingly like all of these screens and all of this technology, rather than liberalizing, will allow autocrats, the rich, private corporations, governments of all kinds to control people. Quite the opposite of liberalizing. Yeah, call me a Luddite, but I got news for you. We're heading into a nightmare. I am certain of it, and it's not a human kind of environment. I'm glad I'm old. I really am. God, I'm glad. Anyway, that's my upbeat little hour with you today. Enjoy the sun really. Kim Everett, Planned Parenthood tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.